0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now, Satan will try to make you doubt that your res- reservation is actually going to be there. You hurt somebody's feelings, or you ran a red light, or something, whatever. Or you're an idiot, or whatever. He tries to make you think that you're less than what you are. And he'll try to make you think that it's not kept. But Peter says that this salvation is a reservation. It's reserved. It is kept. It is not kept by you. That's very important to know. It's not kept by you. Your inheritance is kept, reserved in heaven by the power of God. If nothing is stronger than God's power, then nothing can take your reservation away from you. Are we getting this? I hope you feel better than what you came in. Your salvation is guarded. And once you've been born again into your inheritance, then you are shielded by God's power. And he holds it all together, not us. He was encouraging the dispersed believers. He's telling them about this greater hope that they can walk with. Even though they were being heavily persecuted, I know you're being persecuted today. I want you to understand and know the living hope that you have in this world. Even though we're not home yet, we have a living hope with us, Jesus Christ. And he guards it. He preserves our inheritance. No man can touch it. Nobody can take it away. Regardless of what's going on down here, that guaranteed inheritance is what we believers have to look forward to. That's what we have to look forward to. You turn on the news and you start looking at that too much, it'll mess you up. You probably need to shut it off and go, God's got this. I have my inheritance ahead. Amen. That's so good. And guys, I love how, as if this couldn't get any better, I love how Peter says that it's going to be revealed in the last time. Salvation is going to be revealed in the last time. Guys, we don't even know exactly what salvation is yet. <laughs> we don't even know what it's going to consist of. What's going to be there? What's it going to look like? We don't know. We do know it's eternal, and we do know that it's life, but it hasn't even been revealed yet. We, we have no idea. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, As it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine. The best version of heaven that you could come up with in your mind, it doesn't even come close to what's going to be there. Isn't that something? We don't have the capacity to imagine. You know that book that came out recently about that kid that died and went to heaven, and he came back, and he told us what it's supposed to be like and what he saw, and they made a movie about it. and I think it's Heaven's Real or something like that. If you love that movie, I really hate to step on your toes today, but it does not agree with what the Bible says that salvation has not yet been revealed. It hasn't been shown yet. That kid that died and came back and wrote a book, I hope he made a lot of money, good for him, but that's baloney, okay? It's not known what it is. The Bible says we don't know. It hasn't entered into, your, into the heart of man. You can't read the book and go, oh, I know what heaven's going to be like, when the Bible says, no, you can't. Okay? Know your Bible. The world is out there trying to misguide you into thinking it's something that it's not. So if a kid could come back and tell us what heaven is like, then 1 Corinthians 2.9 is lying to us. Nobody's seen it. Nobody can imagine what our inheritance looks like. It hasn't been revealed yet. It's like when somebody gives you a present. And the presents wrapped up, you know, it's a present, you know, it's for you, you know, it's going to be great, but you have no idea what's in it until it's time to open it. I just kind of imagine, I know I can't imagine, but I try to imagine (laughs) we get before the Lord God and he's like, okay, I got you all here. Now, are y'all ready for the big reveal? Okay. I'm going to open this sucker and you are going to be amazed what you're about to see. you ready. One, two, three, boom. And then we're like, whoa, that's what we had. We don't even know yet. We just know it's going to be great. Oh, I feel like I'm going to melt to the floor. This is incredible. So you possess eternal life the moment you believe in Jesus, but you won't have a sense of its fullness until the last time when God reveals it. Okay, you can open your present now. And you ever give presents to kids and... You just smile with joy when they open it because they're wanting to see what's inside. It just gives you joy just to watch them open the thing. They're like, oh, he's going to love this. I can imagine the Lord God, when he's getting ready to reveal salvation to us, is like, oh, I could just see the smile on his face. Oh, they're going to love this. This is going to be so good. (laughs) I could just see the Lord God enjoying that with us, our living hope. Isn't that good? Wow. So we don't know exactly what our salvation inheritance is, but we know it's better than we can comprehend. And doesn't that just excite you? Excites me. And Peter was sure excited about it, because he says so in 1 Peter 1.6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Greatly rejoice. I've told people about salvation, they go, oh, that's cool. I'm like, Really? <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> you know, but they watch the football team win a touchdown and they jump up and down and they shout and holler. But you tell them about salvation, they go, Well, that's, that's nice. I'd like that. That's not greatly rejoicing, guys. He says, In this, you should greatly rejoice. I jump up and down more over salvation than any baseball team or football or whatever. Okay, it's exciting. But Peter knew he was writing to a church that was under pressure from all sides. And I know. I'm speaking to a church that's under pressure right now. All of you have your own battles that you're going through. And we also have battles together as a church as well. So these people, they needed to know that all the hardship they were working through had an inheritance at the end of it that should cause joy in them, that the joy should be there. And this would help them to see that their present trials that they were going through, it's just not going to last very long. Guys, whatever you're dealing with, and some of you have told me, and some of you haven't, and that's okay. It's your life. You you don't have to. It's not gonna last very long. It's got an end to it, and that end is coming very soon. This news would help the people to see that in the present trial that they were going through, it's not gonna last very long anyway. And so that should make you happy. It should make you rejoice. Now, some believers ask, well, Why should I have to go through all this trouble then? (laughs) What's the point? You know, I mean, if God is going to bless me later, why not just bless me now? Peter explains that trials do have a purpose to them. They serve, they have a reason. And here's what it is. 1 Peter 1 and 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. May be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, today we have our everyday difficulties in life. And here's where I want you to really grab this encouragement, because I know you're fighting something i'm fighting something i'm having the back pain problem again and all that stuff that's one of those deals but we have these everyday difficulties like say when the car breaks down peter was not just addressing stuff like that like the car breaks down or some simple other little thing these people were aggressively hated this isn't like the car just breaking down i can get that fixed in a garage and move along these people were hated for sharing the gospel This persecution, this trouble, this trial here, it exceeds inconveniences, if you know what I'm saying. The real tough stuff that's shot at us by our enemies, Peter needed to encourage them. So Peter had talked about sanctification, that being purified, and he's now talking about our faith being purified by using an analogy about how gold is purified. Gold in its original state is not pure. You can't, it doesn't have the value that it should have. In your original state, you're, you had no value. You come to belief in Jesus, you're born again. Now you've got value, but now you still need to be increased in value by being purified, being sanctified. So to purify gold, you have to test it with fire. It melts it down, and the impurities float to the top. They skim the impurities off the top, and it leaves behind only the most purified, sanctified gold. And that's what trials do for us they pressure us, they melt us down to make the impurities come out so that those impurities can be skimmed off. Have you ever had something bad happen to you and you slipped a word and you're like, where did that come from? (laughs) You ever done that? I've done it. And I think, where was that impurity at? It was down in there. It took a trial to purge that out. And now that I was aware that I had that word in me, I said, let's skim that sucker off and not do that again. See what I'm saying? So it purifies us. It sanctifies us. So that in our lives, we can concentrate more fully on what the Lord is calling us to do. And so Peter explains that our faith allows us to experience the joy and glory of Jesus, even though we haven't seen him revealed yet. And Peter said that seeing Jesus revealed is the end of our faith. That means the end result of our faith. That doesn't mean your faith stops. It means the end result. Jesus is the end result of what we're getting to in our faith. All this work, guys, that we're doing down here, I know it's very hard. I know you're hated and persecuted, and sometimes you want to throw your hands in the air and quit. It's too hard. I, I can't deal with this anymore. If you ever feel like that, please come tell me. Let us pray with you. Come to somebody in the body of Christ that you can confide in. Don't just say, I want to give up and keep it to yourself. Please come tell someone. Let us encourage you, okay? But sometimes you want to quit. But guys, Jesus is the end result of our faith. So let's keep our focus on him and don't let the trials take you over. Jesus is our promised reward at the end of the whole thing. And so that makes us able to rejoice even in our trials. You ever seen somebody going through a terrible trial, like a terrible disease or something really, really bad, and they just have the biggest smile on their face, and you're like, How in the world do you do it? And they say, Well, I got Jesus despite what's going on down here. And you're like, God, if I could measure up to that level. Well, that's what they're doing. They're rejoicing in their trials because they know that they're being purified, they're being sanctified. We know that together with Jesus, Revealed and glorified, we can get through these trials because Jesus is yet ahead of us. He's the end result. First Peter 1 and 10 of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Okay. Long before Jesus' day, before he walked the earth, there were prophets that wrote scriptures down as text. A lot of people say that this is why man wrote the Bible. Man did not write the Bible. It was the Lord that told them what to write. I want to back that up in Second Timothy 3.16. says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, not of men. Men put pen to the paper, but God authored it. So Peter said that these prophets... They knew what words they were writing down, but they didn't even fully understand the overall picture of what the Lord had inspired them to write. Like if I told you to write down 300 divided by wavelength equals, okay, you don't know what that is, but I, in the radio world, I know what it is. So you're writing it down and you see it, but you have no clue what it means, right? So they wrote this stuff down, but they didn't understand the picture of what the Lord had them write down. All they knew. These prophets. All they knew that this was a future coming Messiah that would come and suffer, and he'd be glorified later. That's all they knew. And so the prophets, they, it's kind of interesting, they intently studied their own writings, he says, trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit was trying to show them. I know I wrote this down, but I don't fully get what it means. And they they studied deep. So the prophets, they wanted to find out when this would happen. Would it be within their lifetime or later? They figured what's probably future. Also, they wondered how on earth could a glorified Messiah ever be made to suffer? That's something they probably didn't understand. Their idea of a Messiah was like, Superman, you can't touch me. Well, how is he going to suffer? They didn't get it. So, okay, Lord, I know what you had me write down. But I'm reading it, and I, I'm trying to figure this out, is what Peter's saying they were trying to do. They were trying to figure it out. They, they couldn't fathom how all this would play out, so they studied deep into the Scriptures to try to find out. 1 Peter 1 and 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. <laughs> it wasn't just the prophets that were curious. The angel says, Hey, we want to know too. I told you, the further we go in this chapter, the more incredible it gets. So the prophets understood the spirit, what they were having them write down. It wasn't just for them, it was for people in the future. And Peter told the people of the dispersion that were spread out, the people that he was writing to, he said, these prophets were writing to a future people, he says, you are the people they were writing to. They were writing this stuff to you. And friends, we could take the same thing. These prophets wrote this stuff down. I can't figure it out. I see what I wrote, but I don't know what it means. I'm going to study and study and I still don't get it. It must be for a future people. You are that future people. I want you to consider how these dispersed Jews were suffering from persecution. And then Peter drops a happy bomb on them, I call it. And he says, the prophets of the ancient days really wanted part of what you guys get to do right now. The prophets back then, they desired to have and be involved in what you get to do. And friends, same with us. Those prophets, they would give almost anything to know what we know today about the gospel message. And Peter heightened the encouragement by saying that even angels wanted to know what this salvation was like. Can you imagine angels being curious about what we get? Now, I got to thinking about why they're so intent on this. Why, why would angels be uh, cur- uh, wanting to know? Now, think about this for a minute. In the past, there were a lot of angels that rebelled against God Even Satan himself was once an angel, and they got kicked out of heaven. They were cast out. A lot of angels went with him. But Satan and his angels will not be forgiven like we can. They're not going to be forgiven. We can be forgiven. Fallen fallen angels, they're not offered a plan of salvation like we get to have. So you'd better believe that angels want to look in this gospel message thing. They're curious about what we get that they don't get. How is God going to work this out? An angel in heaven's thinking, I remember when my old buddy angel, he rebelled, and I hadn't seen him since. He's been gone. But God creates a race of people, of human beings, and they messed up, and they get to come here? Yeah, they're curious about salvation. Angels desire to look into this. <laughs> I've heard it said that it's theorized that the angels on top of the ark, they're, they're stretched wings over over the top that they're looking down to express their curiosity of what mercy we get on that mercy seat of the ark. Incredible. We are a fallen people who rebelled against God, but we can be forgiven and redeemed back to life again. Do you see why angels want to know about this? If angels are fascinated with the gospel message that we get to have, then can you see how great a gift salvation is? Can you see how encouraged I am today, and I hope you are with me. I mean, we get the greatest gift that ever was. Peter was telling the dispersed people, he says, this gospel work that you have an understanding of, this gospel work that you're out there trying to spread, that you are so hated for, this work that you're doing, it's what angels and prophets would have loved to have been part of. I think of the ancient guys back then thinking, Ray, Go get them, man. I wish I could be there with you. They're rooting for us, guys. Heaven is rooting for you to share the gospel with people. And friends, now that the long-awaited Messiah has come to give grace to us, we now have the privilege of knowing what the ancient prophets did not know. We understand now how the gospel works. We understand how it can save sinners who don't even deserve it. And we get to proclaim this gospel message while ourselves are partakers of it. If you can't be excited by now, I don't know what else to tell you. This is good news. <laughs> so now I have to ask you a question. Oh, here he comes. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's to motivate. Why is it that today only 10% of believers have ever shared the gospel with somebody just one time? 10% of believers have shared the gospel once. Less than 2% of believers today ever share the gospel message regularly. Less than 2% are out there doing all that work. Why are so many people feeling persecuted when 98% aren't really doing the job? It's my thought. The prophets and angels desired to look into what this gospel is, and now 2,000 2000 years later, it ain't no big deal. It's no big deal. Guys, i got to ask a question. What happened to us? What happened to the church today? Has Satan stolen away from us the desire that the prophets had? And, you know, to think that we are sinners, we're chosen to be saved by God before the foundations of the world. And he came as Jesus to pay our death penalty on the cross. We are sprinkled with Jesus' blood to guarantee our inheritance with a promised covenant. Jesus sanctifies us. He cleans us up to make us fit for obedience. And God gives us a place to share this gospel message, giving us a place to be involved where even angels are curious about it. And then we just sit on it and do nothing. This is the part of the modern-day Christianity that grieves me, that we have such a great thing, and we're just, so what? I think today we've allowed our troubles to take priority over the salvation message. Why are we not telling people? We love the fact that we're saved, but we don't tell others. I think we've allowed trouble, priority over the salvation message. Romans 8 and 18, look at this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Friends, we are undeserved, blood-sprinkled people who have been given the grace to be saved and guaranteed for a heavenly inheritance. That should give us enough great joy that we would want to tell everybody that we can. I hope Peter's words have encouraged this dispersion today. And I know you're struggling under some kind of hardship, but when we get worried, that's the red flag that we forgot the end result of our faith. We have Jesus ahead. We have a reserved inheritance that nobody can take because it's kept by the power of God. It's like your ticket. It's your confirmation number. The Holy Spirit who indwells you is your guarantee. I hope you're encouraged by this message today because I needed this message right now. I have, you have no idea how many times I've wanted to quit and just walk away from all of this because sometimes it just gets too hard. And I know you think the same thing too. It's just too hard. And every Sunday you got to drag yourself in to church. I don't know, but, but I need the encouragement. Here you are. Okay. I hope you got it. Are you encouraged? Let's go through another week. Like I said, if you ever hit a, a, a down moment, you call us, you text us, you drive to my house, I'll drive to your house, whatever. Let's do something about it, but be encouraged at what we get to have. Aren't you excited? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time